millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello. You got it. Nice. We're back. Nice. It's us. It's uh, We are starting a cult featuring myself, Grant. It's me. I'm here. Hello. It's Grant. And I'm, I'm Jake. It's Hello. true. We are your hosts. We always are. Um, yeah. It's just us again. We're back. We're recording this a day early because I have some things to do tomorrow. It's true. We're but. early. We're ahead of our schedule. You know, last week we were uh, behind schedule. But uh, this week, we're making up for that by being ahead of schedule. I think we're actually recording the earliest we ever have. It's like, what is it, like 8.30? Yeah, it's an like evening the day before. It's not like 1 in the morning again? No, it's true. How it usually is? We're on top No, it's of nice. It. It's good. But uh, today, we got some pretty interesting things. We thought, you know, you guys know us. We watch a lot of movies and all that kind of thing. And uh, we are we tend to go to the horror route. It's true, we do. And so we decided to look into what inspired maybe some of uh, these iconic, you know, horror figures in the movies that we love so uh, so much. It's very true. This idea came to us uh, earlier this week. We were watching uh, the beloved film Hatchet and its sequels. Yeah, we watched all three. Of, well, there's a fourth one, though, right? There is. Yeah, there well, is. we watched three Hatchets in two days, and it was... Uh, they're it awesome. Was, it was a great time. You guys should watch all the Hatchet movies. They're on, what was it, Amazon Prime? They are. They're Amazon yeah. eligible. And uh, see, the thing about these, they're, the story might not be as you know potent as some of the other horror slasher films. It's got everything you're looking for, though. But the, the action sequences, I, I wouldn't even call them action. I'd call them pure mutilation, if, uh, if anything. No, it's very, uh, there's a lot of... A lot of flesh involved. They're just good. like amazing, and no, there's no CGI. Good. It's all practical effects. Everything is just insane. Even down to people vomiting. People vomit very often, and you were look. You were telling me that uh, they actually made the actors puke. Yeah, pretty much. They said uh, a couple of the actors could like force themselves to vomit, and if they couldn't, when the scene called for it, or if they had to do like a reshoot for it. The director would give them cold clam chowder soup and orange juice, and that would uh, in- delightful. It would induce vomit in just about anybody, uh, even lukewarm clam chowder. That's the old East Coast cocktail. There, you got the oranges down in Florida. You got clam chowder. Everything. It's it's good. It's good. It'll make you puke. It's a weird. Everything mix. for Hatchet. 
I want to vomit just thinking about cold clam chowder. Anyways. You've never had it before? Not cold. With like that film on the top of it? It's been like heated up and then it like cools down and you eat it? Eh, see, even that, it's, I'm, a, I'm like a hot soup guy. There's something about soup. It needs to be very hot. If it's anything but or else hot. it's just mush. It's just vomit. Yeah, it makes me sick. Like, it, just the thought of, like, even chicken noodle soup, it's like, if the broth is slightly chilled, it makes me not okay with it. It just doesn't. I'm I sorry. don't know, man. I don't know what your hang-up on soup is, but... Uh... What's the cold soup? It's like, uh... Oh, is that, that that soup that's made with, like, pig's blood and, like, yeah, there's water? Yeah, like there's, like, tap water? the duck blood soup or whatever. What is it with Polish blood being eat? served cold? I don't know. I know my, my grandparents like that, the, it's like, uh, duck blood soup or whatever. It's Where do you like, get duck blood? Do you have to, like, kill the guy yourself? Like, what do you what do? you do? I think, as far as I know from them, they, like, back in the day, they used to, like, you could get it from, like, the butcher but I'm pretty sure now you, like, can't. That doesn't sound FDA. No, yeah, I don't think you can approved. anymore. I know my grandpa makes it. He subs out, like, the blood, and it's just, like, prune juice. So it's not like that, <laughs> that at all. That sounds just like a completely... That sounds just like a drink. Yeah, it's weird, but they, they love that shit, and I refuse to look at it. But anyway, Getting back to the the topic, I guess. Yeah, so there's yeah. a lot of... So uh, they made him puke. It was a very good movie, yeah. the Hatchet movies. But anyways, horror movies themselves, uh, even the most fantastical of them, often kind of have some real-world influences that kind of create the character, in a sense, or at least drive them to do something similar to a person or event in real life. Art imitates life, man. It's true. And um, the one that I figured we should start this with is probably the, the, the heavy hitter of the horror film movie series community one of them that he's, he's one of, of the uh, probably like what, what the trilogy of of the top men yeah top he's dogs. freddy krueger frederick freddy dr frederick krugington he's he's probably one of the bigger bigger like slasher names that's ever existed behind yeah. like jason and michael myers yeah he's just burnt to a crisp he's the crispy one but his his uh fictional life story it's just absolutely ridiculous, okay? And, uh, you know, I'm typically, uh, I'll kind of do this in order here, but I will. Everybody knows that seeing the movie knows, like, the, the history of the character himself, why he haunts the dreams of children, because he was a child murderer in real life. Uh, he didn't in, do anything else to the children. He just murdered them. Yeah, in the really? I'm pretty sure in the remake they kind of hint at like sexual abuse also. That usually comes along with it. And right? as far as I remember, I mean, I haven't I haven't watched the original in probably about a year or two. I don't think that the, if anything it might have been like super super alluded to, but it was never specifically said. Like the parents when she's talking to Nancy in the basement, the mom is just like, "Yeah, he was like killing kids. He was luring them and murdering them." And then so there's right. there's his beef, right? So it's he's pissed like... off because the parents of the town uh, all came together when he got off on a technicality. And his technicality was that um, essentially the search warrant paperwork was not filed correctly. or Somebody signed it in the wrong spot. So he was uh, granted a mistrial and just let free. Nothing happened. Nothing ever came of it. Cool. So the town came together and lit his boiler room on fire with gasoline and killed him. 
So he lived in the boiler room. Mm-hmm. And then what doesn't happen, or not, I'm sorry, this actually happens. What doesn't come out until one of the later films was uh, how he was born, right? And I, I always thought this was more interesting. And they probably made this up on the fly, like, later in the in the run of the series. Because, I mean, there's fucking, what, like, nine films of his? Yeah, he's, yeah. It's a cash cow that they just will not and, stop milking. Yeah, so they later in the series, they actually come up with a crazy fucking, like, origin for him, right? So, Ed, uh, she was 18 years old, right? Amanda Kruger, last name. That's his mother. His mother's Amanda. Uh, she turned 18. And she decided to become a nun, right? And her uh, her name in Christ was Mary Helena. Or Helena sorry, Mary, Mary Helena. Helena. Nice. And uh, her first assignment as a nun was to care for the inmates in Weston Hills Hospital. And she worked in the infamous tower, which was where they kept like the patients that were insane and the really fucked up ones, right? Yeah, sounds good. And uh, it was like the, a couple days before Christmas, and they were wrapping up. And uh, the guards, like, they were told that they could leave two days early and, like, have the time off. So what she did is uh, she was getting ready to leave, right? And all the guards left. And they locked her ass in the tower with all those crazy motherfuckers. You know, it's easy to forget about, you know, you're you're always going to forget about something. If Mm -hmm. you can, like, leave work early. You're like, yeah, I leave shit here all the time. Pretty much. I'm just eager to get home. So she gets locked in the infamous tower with all these psychotic patients, right? Okay. And uh, she's in there for a few days, and she gets beaten and raped by over a hundred inmates. Now, how does that sound? Like at once? Like, well, not at once. Over but the like course in the, of a few days. A few days, really. Over the course of a few days, she is beaten and raped by over one hundred inmates. And uh, you know, Whoa. shocker. Nine months later, Frederick Charles Kruger is born. Dude, <laughs> just that big of a of a, of a mana pool. To search from? Like, how do they know? They, they no one will know. It's no one can ever a know. a weird cocktail of evilness. It's it's uh, amazing that she had the will to live after that. And I, I do, I love the fact that his birth name is Frederick. Because it just adds a layer of sophistication to his existence, I think. Frederick? Frederick. My Frederick. name is Frederick Charles Kruger. Anyways. Um, so she was pretty uh, fucking insane after this, right? Amanda was kind of not okay. Which is understandable. So she gave, you know. she gave him up for adoption, and he was taken under the care of Mr. Underwood, who was an abusive al- alcoholic in the town. And blah, blah, blah. Time goes on, right? He's living his life. He's a groundskeeper, and he's murdering all these kids, right? It's just it's probably not, like, good... But it's oh, so happening. His, his dad was doing it as well, eh? No, no, no. His dad was just like an abusive alcoholic. Oh, so we just sorry. Anyone. So we jumped to him luring the kids and killing them. Yeah, th- this okay. is like they're pretty much his teenage years and shit are just glossed over. Nobody, okay, nobody really talks about. All right, yeah, yeah. All right. So his there. dad was just a piece of shit, and then he became. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. All right. Gotcha. Yeah. So he's just hanging out. He's doing his thing, and then uh, the family or like the uh, the arrest happens. Right, they get him. And pretty much what occurs is they kill him, the family members of the town, the mom and yeah. dads, moms and dads, and they burn Freddy alive. And then he comes back later, and this was in 1968 he was arrested, at least in their timeline. Yeah. 
And uh, when Amanda, she follows the trial and everything about her son. And when he gets let off, she kills herself. So she's dead in 1968. Amanda is Mary Helena. Is his, yeah, his mom, yeah, right? his mother, yeah. Amanda Kruger. So she's dead. Uh, 1968, Freddy Krueger is around, and he dies as well because, as I've said a couple times, the town kills him. So he comes back in 1981, and he begins hunting the children of Springwood, and he does that through their dreams. And uh, if anybody's seen Freddy vs. Jason, I think that's probably the best descriptor of how he does what he does. No, it's great. Because, yeah, it's like he needs fear and belief to stay alive. So when people don't believe in him or fear him, he can do nothing. He's like a like a reverse Peter Pan in that yeah. sense. Mm-hmm. Sort of. So he, he's doing all this shit, right? And he fights a couple people. He fights Nancy Thompson. That's the big dog. She's been in a couple of the movies. Uh, she kills him a couple times, actually. Then uh, you got Kristen Parker, who takes over in Nightmare Elm Street 3 and 4, the Dream Warriors and the Dream Masters, respectively. And she was actually murdered by Freddy in Part 4 and was burnt to death. Classic. um, Classic. Alice Johnson was the other woman. She was also in Part 4, the Dream Master, which is uh, actually not a bad... I'll tell you this, none of them are that bad. No, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say any of them are bad. They they probably should stop making them at some point, but uh-huh. uh, but yeah, they're good. And then it, she was also in part five, and then she moved away in part five, which led into Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, which is also a good movie. And then there was actually one male that was like the main victim of Freddy Krueger, and that was in part two, Freddy's Revenge, if anybody remembers that one. Nice. That one was pretty good, too. Um, I still think, uh, I think if you ask me, like obviously the first one's like gold. That's just solid gold. But the the new nightmare is fucking crazy. Yeah. Have you seen that one? I, I love it. I think I may have. It's like... They all kind of blended together. I think I watched them all at once, mm-hmm. one time, and then just ever since it's just been kind of scattered. Essentially, the plot of that movie is that Nancy from the first one is starring in a movie about, like, the events of what yes. happened. Yes, And, like, Freddy Krueger is, like, fake because it's, like, a movie. They're filming movies. So all the other ones were fictional stories. And then he becomes real because of the movie being made. It's just a mind fuck. And no, he looks, really like, good. really crazy in that one. And, uh, yeah, anyways, it's just cool. And so Freddy... That's his life. That's his life story. That's the things he was involved in, right? That is his character. And then we get into this thing, right? And Wes Craven, the guy who created Freddy, along with, uh, like, you know, The Hills Have Eyes and Scream and The Last House on the Left. He's got a good resume. He, yeah, horror icon. He's dead now. Um, He was reading a news article back in the late 70s, early 80s. And it was about this thing called Sudden Unexplained Nocturnal Death Syndrome. S-U-N-D-S, for short. It's, oh, God. And it's very weird because it's super rare. Between the years of 1981 and 1988, there is only about 172 reports of this happening. That's still quite a few. And it is predominantly 
in Asian males, predominantly. And, like, this goes back to the first reported case ever was in 1915. And essentially what it is, scientists don't really know what it is. No, yeah, isn't that uh, kind of the definition of, like, syndromes? It's like, uh, it's just kind of like an amalgamation of different symptoms that cause a specific thing, but doctors can't really pinpoint what causes it. It might be. I think that's where, like, syndrome comes in for syndromes. I'm not positive, but I think I heard that somewhere. And, um, I don't know, it's weird because they've done autopsies, they've tried to do, like, EK, or not EKGs, they've tried to do brain scans, blood tests, and all these different things, and nobody really can come to a conclusion as to what it is. People, now this is second-hand information, typically from family and loved ones, but a lot of reports are that before it happens... People that die from it are, like, terrified to fall asleep. They're having these nightmares that are so real and so terrifying that they refuse to go to bed. And when they do, they just don't wake up. They die in their sleep. So uh, the general consensus is that it's essentially being scared to death in your sleep. Something is occurring that feels so real to you that in your mind you can't separate the fact that it's a dream from reality. Where, I don't know about it's you so guys. It's so strange that that would kill... It, it sounds like it would be like a stress-related sort of thing. It could be. But then I feel like they there would have been signs of that from like autopsies afterward or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's very strange. They. Like they, they've been doing a lot of stuff. People have their theories, and they think it could be linked to uh, like heart arrhythmias and irregular heartbeats. Okay. Something with the heart... And it's essentially, it's like a heart attack in your sleep caused by fear from a nightmare. It's this very layered death uh-huh. that's, like, insane. All right. And, the chips are stacked just so. But then they also cannot figure out why it predominantly affects Asian males. Like, that is, that is like, the top That is the top demographic that is of this. Weird. Is, is that, like, pertaining to, like, a study from, like, since it started, since it was first identified till now, or is that like just that span of years, 81 to 87 or No, nine? this is since the first earliest reports. It's, really? It was like a lot in the Philippines, in India, in China. India has a very low number, but there are reports there. And then, yeah, Philippines and China and Cambodia, I think. Wow. They are, it's just like, that's where most of these reports come from. Interesting. Some of them think uh, it could be like a potassium deficiency uh, linked to like hyperventilation. Got to eat more bananas. Essentially, like kind of like when you get scared, you like your breath kind of you have to breathe faster. Yeah, like, yeah. <gasps> you got to do that, and like if it happens in your sleep, you're not in control, and sometimes, you, like, I mean, your body typically goes into like rust mode where it is on autopilot, and if you're freaking out, it might not catch up to that breath, and you might just suffocate. And then, yeah, I guess... Fucking Christ. Pretty much what they say is that it could be extreme night terrors. Just something that's, like, incurable without some type of anxiety drug or depression drug. And if it's not caught in time, there's nothing you could do about it. And as of right now, there is no cure for it. It's super rare. I mean, it's probably the most dangerous sleep disorder you could have. Well, Simply yeah, there's no, there's no way of, like, seeing it coming aside from, like, man, my dreams have been fucked up lately. 
right. and then like going back to bed and yeah, because you gotta sleep you. eventually. Yeah, it just kills you. There are I'm, there's like a bunch of reports where they kind of go through all of the the findings that they have, and a lot of it is real fucking technical. But it's interesting because it there's so many possible things that they find that at the end of the day, people at the CDC think that it has nothing to do with a disease of any type because, like I said, it's like it's linked to depression, it's linked to uh, potassium deficiency, night terrors. It's linked to the heart. Yeah, and they're essentially what they think is that they're abnormalities that are very common and under the right, well, I guess wrong circumstances, they're taken to the extreme and your body just shuts down while you're sleeping. Stars align and you die. So anyways, Wes Craven read this article about uh, a couple kids in uh, like Asian Asian countries that were dying because of this fucked up weird disease. And pretty much that was what influenced Freddy Krueger, where I'm sure he had an idea of what he wanted, but then when he saw like people were just dropping dead in their dreams, the, it kind of connected the dots of like, well, what if there was like a guy in the dreams yeah. doing that? Yeah, didn't you say that there was one specific story where uh, a kid was like telling his dad, he was like, hey, I... Uh... I am afraid to fall asleep. He's like, I can't fall asleep. He's like, oh, well, here, let's help you. Give you a sleeping pill or something. And he's like, no, I don't think you understand. I can't fall asleep. Yep. And they gave him some sleeping pills. And, and he died. Uh, and he died. And he died. Very similar to the movie where they're giving people sleeping pills or things that like sedatives that would knock them out to relax them. Yeah. Because, yeah, in a high-stress situation, the best thing you could do is, like, sedate someone and relax them. Theoretically, yeah. But that's when Freddy Krueger is most powerful. And people just don't understand that. You just got to grab onto his skin and pull him into the real, the real world and murder him. They've done it in almost every movie. Yeah, yeah. And then in uh, a couple, one of the later movies, and Freddy vs. Jason in a sense, it's pretty much just blurred reality. He's real and fake all at the same time. But there are no denying mm. that Freddy. There is no denying that Freddy Krueger's one-liners are just impeccable. They're oh yeah, one of no. the best. No, he is. Uh, and he's a pioneer in that sense. Just a throwaway fact here, right? Um, the guy that plays Freddy Krueger, there. I, I don't know if it's still on Netflix, but there is Mr. England, right? Yeah, Robert England. There was like a four-hour documentary on, like, the making of the series of films. Wait, really? Yeah. Holy it, shit. It, it was spectacular. It was awesome. It was is like, it still up? I don't know. I'll have to look for it. It's got to be available somewhere. Dude, I got to watch that. I, I didn't know anything about that. It it took me, like, two or three days to watch it. Just kept coming back to it. And the funniest thing is, like, Robert England, he's very honest when he talks about it. And this was back in, like, the 90s. And he was talking about where he got like the where he drew his inspiration for the character yeah and he said pretty much uh i don't know what her name was the girl that played nancy uh the the female lead in nightmare on elm street the star and johnny depp he was he was pretty honest and he was sitting there with a cigarette in his hand and he was just talking and he was like you know what he's like i was kind of getting older and like my acting prime was like past and they asked me to be the villain in this movie. So I said, sure. And he's like, then I'm working with these kids and shit. And he's like, I knew that these kids were the new me. Like, they were the new, like, stars of Hollywood. Mm. 
and he pretty much just was very honest in saying that uh, he was extremely jealous of their talents and got his snarkiness because he was pissed off that they were better Ooh, than he yeah. was. Yeah, dude, he was probably treating them like shit on set, like yeah. scratching their faces. He's like, oh, those don't look realistic enough. Let me cut their faces for real. So, yeah, Robert England was very upset that Johnny Depp <laughs> and the girl who plays Nancy were going to be the new teen heartthrob, like in every movie type people. And he couldn't do that anymore. So he was just like, yeah, I, I just felt like being a dick to him because they were pissing me the fuck <laughs> off. They were better than me now, and I didn't like that. So in reality, uh, Mr. Freddy is uh, just uh, you know a sleeping syndrome that no one can pinpoint and failing actors and lashing out. Yep. Yep. And Not failing, but uh, actors I, I lashing what, out. Robert England's career was revitalized because of... Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. I mean... Well, thank God that came after the making of the movie so he could harness that that hatred yeah. for the young. And it's like, I mean, he, yeah, he kind of plays like throwaway roles in a lot of the things he's in, but he's in it because he's a known name. Like, people fucking know Robert England. He's hey, Freddy Krueger. He cut a check for anything. Uh, Yeah, so I wanted to throw that guy out there because Freddy Krueger, I like a lot of horror movies, and he is the best villain that I think has ever existed. Just my personal take. No, yeah, he's that. he's definitely up there. He's there. He's good. Well, uh, another guy that we're going to be covering uh, is another big guy in the uh, the horror film, uh, you know, canon. world, the canon. Uh, you know, you guys have seen Silence of the Lambs, eh? Oh, oh fuck yes. yeah. Great movie. Oh, yes, dude. We're going to be talking about Mr. Hannibal Lecter. Oh, yeah. Now, fucking Hannibal Lecter, he's another guy. He's just fucking badass. Dude, and the realism of this guy is just, it makes it even more horrifying. Yeah. Just so much more horrifying. People like this exist. Yeah, they do. They really do. And uh, we'll get into that, actually. So, so, you know, Silence of the Lamps. Uh, It was inspired by a man named Alfredo Bali Trevino. That's a fucking mouthful. It really is. But, uh, so the guy who wrote the book, uh, what was the book's name there? The book? The Red Dragon, I believe, right? Yeah, that was one of the books. Yeah, the so Red the Red Dragon, Dragon was, uh, the author of the, the Red original. Dragon. He, um, this is the first book where the character Hannibal Lecter appears. And so the author of this, before that was written, the author, Mr. Thomas Harris, uh, in 1963, he, um, he was going to visit a prison in Monterey, Mexico. And uh, he was actually there to interview a guy who wasn't Mr. Alfredo Bali Trevino. Uh, This guy who he was there to interview, uh, his name was Dykes Askew Simmons. Damn. Very strange name. That is a strange name. But yeah, so he was sent, like the Mr. Dykes uh, Askew Simmons, he was uh, sentenced to death for triple murder. So, you know, uh, Thomas Harris thought he'd go and have a little chat with him. But while he was there, uh, he met this other man, Alfredo Bali Trevino. And he understood him to be uh, the prison doctor when he first met him. When he first met him, he, uh, he was described as a small, lithe man with dark red hair. And he noted very uh, pertinently that he stood very still. That stood very still. He had a very, uh, he apparently had like this, uh, 
this beauty about him, you know. They, That's they, a creepy he had a certain, characteristic. Yeah, he had a certain elegance about him, but he was absolutely still very lithe. So he was, uh, you know, lithe is, uh, you know, like skinny, kind of elegant, sort of, you know. So he ran into him, and the reason that he thought he was the uh, the prison surgeon, or the, the prison's, like, doctor, was because um, the guy he originally went to interview, Mr. Uh, Simmons, he had attempted to escape the prison. Like, not fought long before that. And he... Because he was on the, like, death row, right? Yeah. Right. Three murders, you're gonna be killed. You gotta be killed. So he tried to escape, and he was shot during his escape attempt. And it was actually Mr. Alfredo Bali Trevino who patched him up and everything. Oh, okay. So, um... Okay. Just getting a little background on Mr. Alfredo. Alfredo Bali Trevino. He was born October 2nd of uh, 1931... And his family really, uh, they focused in on, like, hard work, and they, they always just pushed him to, you know, he, was, uh, he was, was one of four siblings. They pushed him all to be very successful. There was, like, hard work pays off. So uh, he became a surgeon. He became a surgeon. He was very successful. He was actually homosexual as well, oh. which was a big deal back then. It was a big no-no for some reason to uh, let people know that. But uh, so he was... Uh, convicted in 1961 for supposedly killing his boyfriend after an argument in what he calls a uh, crime of passion, right? Okay. So that's interesting. His boyfriend's name was uh, Jesus Castillo Rogel. Ooh. Wrangle. Rogel? Wrangle? Either one. He was drugged before he was murdered. And uh, after he was murdered, supposedly after this this huge... Uh, fight that they had that uh, that warranted this. After he was drugged, after this fight, uh, he was dismembered and buried. Okay, that sounds so that's, about right. Yeah, so that's pretty much it. But, uh, so he, uh, yeah, Mr. Alfredo was sentenced to prison for this. He was actually sentenced to a life, uh, or actually he was sentenced to death. He was sentenced to death, uh, but uh, apparently it got, uh, you know, taken back, and uh, he apparently only got 20 years. But, um, so yeah, he slit his, uh, his boyfriend's throat with a scalpel. And, uh, so when he was in prison, that obviously, like I said before, that was when he met Thomas Harris. And, um, he only, uh, found out that he wasn't the prison doctor after Mr. Harris spoke to the warden, who said, no, he's actually a prisoner. He's, he's insane. He will never leave this place. And there's a quote from the warden. He said, As a surgeon, he could package his victim into a surprisingly small box. Oh. So supposedly he uh, he completely cut up his boyfriend and placed him in a small box. And I think it was his, the uh, the victim's uncle that came and actually discovered it. But um, but yeah, I mean, it, w- it wasn't necessarily the uh, the crimes itself or themselves who uh that that really um inspired the character it was more his interaction with um Mr. Trevino at at the prison itself because apparently he had taken him aside Mr. Trevino had taken uh Harris aside and discussed like Simmons like you know his uh, his state what he'd done with him what he'd like what happened and everything and um the way that he like held himself in the conversation the way that he uh, presented himself was much like that famous scene between um Hannibal Lecter and Clarice hello Clarice yeah apparently that one interaction was that one scene 
almost verbatim. It was it was almost exactly that. He threw a cum in your eye, didn't he? Yeah, very interesting. Very interesting stuff. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, he later... So I said he got off on the death penalty. He only served 20 years. So apparently the real guy, Mr. Alfredo Bali Trevino, he uh, he got out in around uh, 81, I believe. Oh. So, uh, nice. and then he spent the rest of his life uh, caring for the poor and the elderly. See, that's Isn't that that's strange that the, uh, the, you know, the, the jail system, the rehabilitation system actually seemed to have worked here? That that's impressive. Yeah, he just died in uh, two thousand. I th- I kept looking for like a specific time, but uh, it's kind of a consensus that it's between two thousand nine two thousand ten he died. All right. He died at the age of eighty one, and uh, yeah, he spent his final years helping the poor and elderly. I wonder if he ever saw Silence of the Lambs or read any of the books. <laughs> Maybe he. Pre- I mean, a guy like that character, I wouldn't imagine would uh, pay much mind to that. Probably not. No, no. it's still something I'd like to. I'd like to know more about it. I'd like to have yeah. a conversation with the spirit of this man yeah. and see if he's ever seen this amazing movie. Yeah. It is interesting, though, because it didn't involve, like, cannibalism. It didn't involve a lot of stuff. I mean, obviously, that's artistic... Uh, Integrity. You know, in, uh, <laughs> yeah. Artistic... Uh, uh, a little le- leeway there. But, uh, no, yeah, I just... it's 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 very cool this guy that is very interesting that he, his personality struck this author so yeah much. he's so like poised yeah, and, and then, confident yeah and uh, like i said he uh he wrote the book shortly after where mr hannibal lecter first appeared in his book series oh, oh shit oh, nice yeah. and that brings us into another guy who is Interesting in his own right that would be mr buffalo bill as you would know him from the same series of books and movies. Silence well, of the Lambs. Silence of the Lambs. Uh, James Gum was his name. Uh, he was popularized as Buffalo Bill, right? And uh, Oh, yeah. In the film, he was played by uh, Ted Levine. And, I mean, that's irrelevant. I just thought I'd throw that in there. So. I think Buffalo Bill's the only reason I know uh, and love the song Goodbye Horses. It's true. That and Skate 2, the video game. Oh, yeah, well. But, yeah, uh, Buffalo Bill, everybody knows the scene of the dancing with the tucked-in penis and the would-you-fuck-me and the put-the-lotion-in-the-basket and... Oh, wait. Yeah. Was she a great big fat person? Yep, and he... Yeah, that was all him. He actually provided some of the most hilarious scenes of that no, movie. I, I loved him. But, uh, so, in the novel... Silence of the Lambs. Uh, Buffalo Bill was born in California on October 25th, 1949, and abandoned by his mother, who was a prostitute, and misspelled James on his birth certificate, thus giving him the name James. So that was a little interesting thing, right? So he was taken into foster care at the age of two. And then the film omits that backstory they don't mention that, but they it's pretty heavily implied that he had a fucked up childhood, right? I mean, yeah, he's he's who he is. And then Hannibal Lecter famously summarizes his life by saying, quote, Billy was not born a criminal, but made one by years of systematic abuse, end quote. Uh, in the book, they go back and they talk about how he lived in foster homes until he was 10, 
then he was adopted by his biological grandparents. They were the first victims of his when he killed them at age 17 just so that he could see what murdering somebody felt like. He Classic. Wa- he was institutionalized at a psych hospital where he learned how to be a tailor. And then uh, he had a relationship with a man named Benjamin Raspale. And after Raspale leaves him, Buffalo Bill kind of snaps and kills Raspale's lover and fucks him up pretty good. He flays him. Just so you guys know. Ooh. And um, they, like I said, in the movie, they kind of just ignore all of that simply because it's not about him. He's just like the throwaway villain. They don't want to make him too human. They want to make him a villain. But um, so pretty much in the novel and in the movie himself, he shows and admits that he has signs of what they would call gender disparity or disparity. And it's not quite the same as, like, gender dysmorphia or wanting to be, like, a transgender. It's more hatred. I'll get into this at the end. But it's more hatred for the gender he has for no real reason. It's a psychological disorder for him. And in the movie and in the book, they bring up that he is too psychologically disturbed to qualify for gender reassignment surgery. Which is why he hunts women and creates his famous woman suit. That's what his his aim is here, right? Mm. So uh what his uh you know modem or mot motive, not modem. His motive is is he approaches women typically pretending to be injured or frail and asking them for help, uh gets them into either his house or his car, boom, knocks them out, takes them home, right? Typically tortures them a little bit at least psychologically. Uh, then he kills them and skins them and uses their skin to do his thing, right? Make some pretty suits. And um, in the novel itself, at the beginning of the book, Buffalo Bill had already, had already killed five women. And in the movie, they don't say that he, he is a murderer, but they don't give you a timetable. Um, and essentially what he is after here is killing women to make a suit so that he could be or feel like a woman. Um, he looks at, in the novel, he is looking at Clarice. And his final words that he says is he looks directly at her. And he says, quote, what does it feel like to be so beautiful? End quote. And then he gets killed. So that's his, you know, rundown. If you're not familiar with it, I did kind of spoil that. But that's okay. So don't use that as a pickup line. No, I would not do no, that. No, I, I wouldn't do that. Um, he is based on many, many, many real-life uh, serial killers and just violent criminals mm-hmm. in general. And I'll kind of run through the list here. Uh, these are all people that obviously we could spend a lot of time on, but for the purpose of this episode, we'll give you a very, very, very brief synopsis of what they've done. Yeah, I'll just run through it. So, one would be Jerry Brudos, who was the women killer, who would like to... Well, what he did is he was the shoe guy, so he would kill women and take all their clothing and their shoes and, like, wear them. And he kept their shoes as little, like, mementos. That was his thing. You couldn't just go to the store. You had to kill them. Yeah. No, that was his thing. That was uh, in 68 and 69. Yeah, 68 and 69 Mm -hmm. in Oregon. Uh, Then you have Ted Bundy. Who he, they kind of take from him 
by uh, the fact that he pretends to be injured or frail. Yeah, the injury aspect. Yeah, to kind of seem uh, helpless to his victims and reel them in. So that's an aspect of Ted Bundy Mm -hmm. that Buffalo Bill has in the film and in the book. Then you have Gary Hednick. Uh, He was a freak. He kidnapped and tortured six women and held them prisoners as sex slaves. Similar to Buffalo Bill, he didn't. They never really say if he had sex with them. Nothing really sexual, but the the word sex is involved in uh, in the story. You know? Yeah. Then you have Gary Ridgway or the Green River Killer, uh, who was unidentified still at the time of the novel and the film. And uh, he they got this because uh, he would dump the corpses in rivers, and he would typically insert foreign objects into the body. And in the you know in the film he would take little chunks of the skin out and shit like that. Yeah, yeah. Then you have uh, Ed Kemper, who we've covered before. I believe I brought that up in the Ed Kemper episode. Yeah, listen to that. Listen to that episode. That uh, Buffalo Bill and Ed Kemper, similar to each other, their first victims were their grandparents when they were teenagers, just to see what it felt like. Both of them. Hell yeah. Then you have the big guy who has inspired. Probably at least ten, if not more, horror movie villains. Many, many. Uh, Ed Gein. Edward. Who would, he pretty much uh, what he would do is he would dig up, gra- uh, he'd grave rob, and he would skin people and make things out of the skin, such as masks and suits and lampshades and what have you. And a belt of nipples, I think, or was that it? Was that a myth? I'm not, yeah, it was something like that. Something crazy like that. He made curtains, he made lampshades, everything. Yeah, he. so all of these people like compiled into one giant thing, created or influenced the, the origin story of Buffalo Bill. And if you, I mean, if you know more about these people, these real individuals, obviously there's a lot of uh, things that shoot off for a fictional character. But a lot of the things that compile into Buffalo Bill's uh, characteristics in life come from these six men. Brudos, Gein, Bundy, Heidnick, Kemper, and Ridgway. All in one way or another, they have influenced who Buffalo Bill was at the time of the film and the book. Interesting. And I I do want to get into this. It's a little unrelated, but it uh, even at the release of the film, it was a, a huge problem for a lot of uh, like gay rights activist groups because of the potentially negative portrayal of gender curiosity and things like that. And there are, essentially the way it was described by one guy, Jack Halberstrom, he, uh, he writes a lot of like horror shit, right? Mm-hmm. And um, he makes a, a really interesting point that I, I thought was super interesting. He said that Essentially, Buffalo Bill's violent tendencies don't lie on gender confusion or sexual orientation. What they lie on is essentially his just its complete insanity. Where to him, it isn't the reality of being able to change gender. The character himself sees it as sort of the way he compares it to his Frankenstein. Where it's if he's capable of making these outward physical changes to himself... And representing himself as something different, he sees it as a victory instead of looking at the deeper, more like serious meaning behind what he does. And I think that that's super interesting only because not only does it add another name to a potential list of what creates him, 
it kind of dives into the psyche of this fictional character in a way that kind of makes it scarily human. Very much so. Where yeah. it, it, yeah, it lies way more on surface level than people want to say, where it simply is a visual appeal. That's all it is. Yeah. It's not anything else. He wants else. to see himself as this. It, yeah. Whether, whatever means that it means to get to that point where he looks like that, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And the comparison to Frankenstein, he does that. I mean, it's a very this one's kind of an on the nose comparison, but it has some reality to it. Where he's not this kind of plays into the surface level effect that Buffalo Bill has, where it isn't about what he is on the inside. It's about this weird amalgamation of human victims he can kill and become by wearing their skin. Similar to that of what a Frankenstein is, where he's just created up with the, all these fucking dead people. Yeah. And, uh, again, that really had no point, but I, I just thought that was super No, that interesting. is interesting. I'm glad you brought it up. But, yeah, so, obviously, yeah, there's a huge controversy with this character. Even now, I'm sure it's a little different now because it's, it's, like, an older film, and it's classic, honestly. It really is. It's one of those films that you have to see before you die. Yeah. If you're a film junkie. Definitely. And... I could I could definitely see where that comes from, this weird kind of negativity around his character. But what's important is that uh, it is a fictional character, and it's also a fictional psychotic character. And he's just this weird creation of about six to seven people that have really lived, and it's just fucking insane. It really is. So that was Buffalo Bill, and exactly kind of who inspired him as a living real person. There's you another gotta, character for you. You gotta love him. Boom. You gotta love him. All right, I think we'll probably close out on one of the bigger boys. Yeah, one probably of the probably boys. the biggest. Probably the, the biggest. Yes, uh, Dracula. Dracul. Dracul, man. All right, so uh, Dracula first came to be in uh, 1897. Fuck uh, yeah! Hell yeah! Dude. The Great year of year. the frog. I don't know if what? that's true. Don't quote <laughs> the me. The frog, that. eh? Nice, but in a book uh, by Bram Stoker, and. Uh, you know, many people have played him in the past in movies. Uh, Bela Lugosi. Uh, Classic. Christopher Lee. Gary Oldman. Yeah, I forgot Eddie about that Le- one. Yeah. That one's good. Dude, Gary Oldman is Dracula is amazing. Bra- Dude, isn't fucking Keanu Reeves in that movie? He's like the he's the guy. Is he? Yeah, I think so. I need to rewatch it, obviously. It's fucking long. It's like three hours, but it's fucking gold. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Uh, even like uh, the, the earliest like incarnation of kind of the idea of Dracula in film. Uh, Max Schreck as oh, Nosferatu. Yeah. Nosferatu. Oh yeah, that movie's amazing. I know it's it like really a silent is. film, but if you really give it a chance, it's super fucking good. It's like creepy and it's awesome. No, it's, it's just very amazing. good. And what was that film? It was like making Nosferatu. It was like the, yeah, the uh, Shadow of a Vampire. Shadow of a Vampire. That is a great film. It's about the Hell filming yeah. of Nosferatu, but he's actually a. Uh, you just gotta watch it. John it is Malkovich and Willem Dafoe. That is a solid film. I like that movie a lot, and I've only seen it like twice. I think I rented it from the library one day and watched it like twice, and then I never saw it again. <laughs> perfect, perfect. No, but they're great movies. But uh, so the guy that inspired him, his name was Dracula, Vlad the Third Dracula, and uh, nice. yeah, he was also known as Vlad the Impaler. Oh, it's that guy. Yeah, dude, Vlad Impalement. What? He, uh, he was born in 1428, or between 1428 and 1431, no one really knows. Yeah, uh, that was back you before know, people history's had... a little spotty fucking yeah, 600 years ago. Just a little bit. 
But uh, yeah, he was born Roman Catholic and all that. He ended up being um, the v- Voivody, Voivody, maybe, Voivody of the Willenchai, which I guess is some sort of uh, power, some sort of power he had. He had some sort of ruling. Oh. Over these uh, these these people, he had a lot of power. He's just anyway. in charge somehow. He's just yeah. a fucked up he was maniac. Fu- he was in charge. somehow in charge, but uh, he he was in charge three separate times between uh, three, t- <laughs> three they, separate like, times, dude. There was like there were little like uh, little rests, little respite periods. They revoked his power. They're just like you're too crazy. Now nah, you need it back. Now nah, you're too crazy. You can have it back. <laughs> he came into power. He was pushed out. He came back into power. All these things. But uh, it, that was between he came, he uh, he he was in power between uh, 1448 and his death about three times, and uh, he was one of the most important rulers of the Wallachian, however that's pronounced, uh, history. He's one of the most important rulers of them, and he's a national hero in Romania. Shit, I know. But here's what he did, right? Oh yeah, yeah. He did uh, inspire one of the craziest villains that's ever lived. Yeah. So he had to do something. Crazy, Vlad right? the Impaler. That's it's it's very. He was very in- outright illusion. To I the don't future think he here. was impaling people with kindness. I think it was a literal impalement. No, it wasn't like a fun, like sexual pun either. It was. It was violent. It was. It was worse than that. Uh, uh, okay. So yeah, multiple sources apparently recorded that hundreds of thousands of people were executed at Vlad's order. I believe it. So yeah, people claim it's hundreds of thousands. The actual body count. Um, that's later kind of decided upon is 80,000 people at his word were murdered in different fashions, but more than half of them were impaled. Oh, okay. so there we go. You know? All right. So he began a purge against the boyers, uh, at the beginning of his second rule, because the first rule, he kind of, he kind of got pushed out pretty, pretty, uh, pretty quick. Yeah. He just had to make some moves and people were like, wait, you're impaling people. You can't be here. And he yeah. was like, okay, that's fair. <laughs> So, yeah, so he came into power, nothing really happened, but then he came out of power, then he gained power again, right? He gained power, and he began purging against the Boyers, and the Boyers apparently uh, had participated in the murder of his father and his older brother, which is why he was in power, you know, in the first place, and he also thought they were coming, plotting against him. So he purged them, and in uh, 1457... Uh, early German stories recount that Vlad's breaking into Transylvania state that he carried men, women, and children from the villages and had them impaled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that sounds like him. Yeah, right. And three years later, 1460, uh, he invaded Transylvania because before he just went there to, you know, get some impalees. It was get, just vacation with was a making little murder. A, you know, he was making a little classic kebab there. Ooh, baby, those Ooh. sweet kebabs of Some human flesh. Nice duck blood soup. But, um, so yeah, 1460, he invaded Transylvania again, and he destroyed the suburb of Brasov, and he ordered the impalement of all men and women captured. Oh, of course. It seems almost as if that is his, uh, his thing, yeah. his calling it Almost, card. almost. And this is all before the Ottoman War, and the Ottoman War, during that time... It's a very specific number that they came up with, so I feel like it's not bullshit. I feel like this was actually recorded. Uh, 23,884 Turks and Bulgarians were killed at his order. Shit. And you gotta think... Probably a fair amount were impaled, right? It's almost unfathomable, because it's like... It's similar to that of, like, the Nazis, 
But the Nazis had technology such as cars and trucks and guns. And this guy just had horses and swords. And his word. Say, so it's fucking crazy uh, that he him. was able to do all this. It really is. No, yeah, dude. He, uh, yeah. yeah, especially around this town. It, this was also during the Ottoman War. Apparently he was attacking um, the Ottomans, right? Oh, okay. okay. And uh, they were retreating to Targofisti. There's a lot of weird... Yeah, a lot of foreign A lot of strange names. things I can't pronounce, but uh, I wrote them down. Ancient Targoviste. 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 But yeah, so this was a town that the Ottomans fell back to because uh, Mr. Uh, you know, Vlad was attacking them. And uh, they were horrified to find that the town was surrounded by a what they called a forest of thousands of people impaled. That, can you... Oh. Isn't that just dandy? Dude, I'll tell you this. I, I'm i a fan of all things horror and creepy. If I saw one person impaled, even if it was a sickly, realistic, fake impalement, I would be mortified. So this this kind of uh, uh, begs a question for me. How were they impaled? Yeah, I... Was it like, was it through the ain? Or was it through the stomach so they could do sort of a kebab thing? Did I've, everyone get their own spike? I feel like, if anything, maybe this is just film talking, uh, just because that's like what I'm familiar with. If anything, yeah, I'd imagine it's through the bottom. The, the aim? Somewhere, I imagine, just, just bear with me here. I imagine it's in the gooch region, the in between the genitals and the butt. Because yes. that's then it would go right through and out the top of the head. Dude, he had to have had at least like, at least like fifty dudes, the, whose sole job it was to just stick like these things through people's gooches and up through their heads. I would imagine their heads may have like popped off at some point. Maybe there was like a body and then lower down on it. It would be, you know. But the then, body and then the head on the top. Now I, I also have the question of, was it something as simple as, spoiler alert, but it, it's it's over, so sorry what, if you did spoiler alert it. for the 600 no, years No, 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 is it or? something similar to uh, The Walking Dead, like the most recent thing, where it was just like decapitation and then impale the head? Or was it like an entire body impalement? I feel like it, it could have been, I'm see what I was thinking, right? Is he impales the like goes through the gooch right mm. goes up through the neck, goes probably inside the head. It's hard to you know get through the skull there. Probably. I'm know. thinking they did that, cut around the head and then put it up, and eventually the the body would just kind of slide down. Yeah, and hit the bottom. This is what I'm. Imagining. Or maybe they put little spikes in, like a like a giant spike under the bottom, so that even if it sank, it would stay there for a while until the the. The flesh rotted and it just like sunk through. Interesting. I don't know. I I, I would know, be curious man. to find out about how the impalement worked. I'm actually going to try my best to yeah. look this up and see what I can find. Well, anyway, so yeah, he killed roughly around eighty thousand people, and mo- a lot a lot of them uh, he impaled. But uh, yeah, he died in battle uh, during his third rule around uh, December of 1476 or January of 1477, somewhere in there. Wow. And so that's where Dracula came from. This guy just sticking spikes up people's gooches hundreds of hundreds of times. It's just 
Yeah. And those are the monsters of film. Ooh, okay. Um, wow. Um, what are we doing? Typical impalement. This is uh, this is a lot darker than I anticipated. They like there's like a there's a methodology to this. Yes, yes, yes. Now this comes later, so maybe uh, Vlad didn't particularly do this, but this was adapted. Uh, impalement goes back as early as the 18th century BC. Mm-hmm. And essentially what they would do is they would stick a spike through, like, yeah, like the underside of the body through the butt So we're region. not sure if it's the butt or the gooch. And it would the spike would come out the mouth. So it wouldn't go through the head. They'd have your head oh. back, and it would go up through your throat, out through your mouth. So you're, it would look like you're reverse vomiting a spike. So it would be like... it. it You'd, everyone kind of looks like the guy at the end of uh, Shaun of the Dead in that yeah. tiny town. Yeah, a little bit. And do you want to know the most disgusting fact about impalement? Which which one's that? Um, it's not the impalement itself? No, the length of survival when impaled, because they would do this while they were alive. That oh was my the point. God. It was a method of execution. So the length, I mean, it varies, right? Typically, you would get anywhere from about three minutes to four hours. That was typical. Wow. Uh, in some cases, it would be one to three days. What the fuck? And in very, 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 very extreme cases, uh, Dutch overlords in Batvia, present-day Jakarta, they were impaling people, and a group of men survived six days after being impaled, just whimpering on the stake. Oh my god, they probably died of thirst. Yep. And, Jesus and then Christ. Local surgeons at the time typically said that uh, as long as weather permitted and under the right circumstances, so if you were well fed and uh, well hydrated before being impaled and the weather was not too draining physically on the human body, you could survive for up to seven to eight days. Only if the impalement was done right. Obviously... See, now what they were going for here... <laughs> was probably death, right? I the mean... logistics of impalement, it wasn't to brutalize. So they didn't want to hit the heart or the lungs or anything. What they wanted to do was make a clean incision through the body, missing all the organs they could. Obviously, it would go through the intestines and you know shit like that. But they wanted to you miss... You won't be needing those anymore. They wanted to miss the heart and the lungs and hopefully miss the esophagus... Sometimes it would come out the chest, like under the rib cage, and then go through the chin, through the mouth, so it would be like a, yeah, like a shish kebab. Oh, holy shit. And in those cases, the reason they did it was so that you would survive longer, because you, it'd be hard to bleed out, because the only two openings of the body are you know plug, plugged up by the stake. So if they could do it right, they wanted you to live for at least a couple hours. That was, the, that was torture, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, obviously, in the most extreme cases, people would survive, you know, a week or longer. Damn. But Dude. that didn't typically happen. It was usually under a day. Yeah. You know, all I'm thinking now is that, all right, so this guy, Vlad the Impaler, Vlad the Third, Dracula, uh-huh. um, he inspired the character Dracula, the vampire, right? Yes, he did. And so he, in turn, I, this is just what I believe, he inspired the Count on Sesame Street. In in a in a way, yeah. Isn't that just crazy how history can turn this guy into the count teaching you how to count? He's counting all of the impaled all bodies. Of, 
He's counting all the days that you can be left alive while impaled. I do like, just looking at it logistically, the, uh, Vlad, there's urban legends that say he would, like, eat the bodies and drink the blood. That's, like, that's just Yeah, it's sad. not completely uh, off the table, I suppose, but that's... It seems, like, outlandish that, simply I, I for the like, character. Yeah. But, I feel like that that may have come just because of the sheer brutality that he like he put up as like a Machiavellian like this is power. Yeah. Like, you know, he's 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 shown his power, he's shown his brutality. People, why wouldn't people think that he drank the blood and ate the flesh? Dude, it's a metaphor. See, it's a metaphor if you ask me. It's he was he do, he wasn't drinking blood, right? But he was thirsty for blood bloodshed. He was shedding blood because he wanted to. Whereas Dracula is physically hungry for blood, you know? This it's is delightful. Weird... And the Count is hungry for learning. This is He's great. He's hungry for math. Oh, yes. Um, all right. So the well, lo- that was fantastic. I got one more. I got a surprise entry Ooh, here at the end. Nice. Because I found out that it's based on real events. Um, I'm going back to Wes Craven. Uh, you know, the mastermind. Rest in peace, homie. Uh, the Hills Have Eyes. Has anybody seen that? Film? Really? Well, I'm. You know what? Thinking about it now, I'm not too surprised that that's based on a real thing. A bunch of inbred cannibals living in a mountain, eating passerbyers, right? Okay. <laughs> passerbyers. Um. Okay. So there was a man named Alexander Sawney Bean. Sawney was his nickname, and uh, he was the head of a 45-member clan in Scotland during the 16th century. Interesting. And now, what they did is, uh, during the 16th century, he was born and he lived. Uh, he was His father was a ditch digger and a hedge trimmer. And he, he himself tried to take up the family trade, but realized that he hated honest work. <laughs> so, nice. he met a woman named Agnes Douglas, and uh, she was accused of being a witch. That okay. gives you a little information. Classic. So Sawney and Agnes, they they bookie, right? They get the fuck out of Dodge. And they go to a coastal cave in Benane Head, somewhere between Gervin <laughs> and Beltray. Benane? Benane. Benane. And uh, they lived there for 25 years. The cave that they took residence in was 200 yards deep. And it was blocked by water during high tide because it would fill this lake so that you couldn't get in. And since they didn't like to work and they didn't do anything, they lived in a group, right? And what they would do is people that would pass by, they would kill them and uh, eat them. That was what they did. And the numbers grew as more and more people kind of stumbled upon them and were like, we would like to join you. And so they started killing and eating people, and they would pickle the remains of what they didn't eat, so they had leftovers in case they uh, didn't get a meal the next couple of days. Nice. And um, essentially, after a while, the local villagers started noticing body parts and shit like that, right? So they got a little reckless because they were hungry, so they started coming out under the road and ambushing people, and similar to the melon heads. Yeah. And they Ooh. would attack and eat. And blah, blah, blah. So uh, a 400-man team went out in a manhunt, and they 
brought a bunch of bloodhounds and shit, and they found these guys, right? That's like two entire towns back in the 16th century. This is just 100 years after uh, after Vlad. And the story, it's super choppy. People say it's not real. A lot of people say it is real. The guy himself was a real human being. Whether all the tales are true or exaggerated have, will never be known. But uh, essentially what happened was they pretty much were caught... The team put a bunch of gunpowder at the entrance of the cave and, like, smoked them out. And then when they exited the cave, they all just surrendered because they were cornered. And they were caught. They never got to do their murderous bloodlust cannibalism thing again. It was coward, no work cannibals. So, in turn, Sawney Bean and his group of cannibals inspired Wes Craven to create The Hills Have Eyes. Fantastic. Boom. Wow. There you go. Now, uh, in preparation for this uh, this episode, we were looking into characters that have crazy origin stories and like fun, possibly real ties to yeah. things. And there's a lot that we kind of just ignored and didn't go into because it didn't have what we were looking for or it didn't have enough of what we wanted. Or just for time's sake. They, they were yeah. either too big or they weren't enough. These were just right in the dead set. They were right there. They were good. Yeah, and then one that I think is interesting only because it kind of shares uh, something with the a lot of the talks that are happening nowadays in uh, you know the media and things like that. Uh, the final movie I'll mention is a, another Wes Craven movie. As if I didn't like this guy enough. Uh, the Scream series. Scream. Scream. And um, the only reason I think it kind of connects to modern day, in a sense, is that the antagonist of the film, well, the two antagonists, they do it simply because they can. And their motive, yeah, like, uh, Billy's mom was a bitch and, uh, you know, was murdered and blah, blah, blah. Shit Bitches like get murdered sometimes. It happens, you know, so he was angry, but then it turns into their their fake motive for the cops was that, you know, movies and TV are just so violent that they were corrupted by everyday life and forced oh, to kill. I know where this is going. And it, 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 it doesn't really have an origin or basis of anything real, but I think now in 2018, oh shit, it's 2019, fuck. I can't believe I forgot that. <laughs> Dude, I I think I wrote 2015 on like a, a date the other day. So Holy shit. Don't even worry about it. So now in 2019, that kind of, that definitely plays a part in what's being talked about a lot in media with, you know, violent video games and violent crime happening. And yeah. I think Wes Craven kind of was onto that previous, you know, to all of this. Now those were topics and debates ever since violent movies came out that, Things are so violent that, you know, violence will be okay and things like that. But uh, it doesn't necessarily have a real basis in anything. Yeah. But it is based on real reactions that people had to Wes Craven's movies previous to Scream. Where, yeah, like, they were like, well, these movies are so violent, people will just become violent because you're saying it's okay. And they kind of poked fun at all the people that said that to him. By making this movie where the killer says exactly that, that he's doing it because, fuck it, TV made me do it. Movies made me do it. The best art is art that says, fuck you. Yeah, and that, see, that's why I like Scream so much, just because it's so, like, 
it, it's just so aware of yeah, itself. It really is. And like throughout the entire movie, even the sequels, fucking Jamie Kennedy's character is just like, nah, see, this can't happen because if this were a horror movie, you have to survive because there's always a sequel. You are the main character and you can't die. Dude, even in like the scary movie like movies. It's not even that big of like a a departure from the actual scream movies. They just did it like a bit more over the top. Yeah, they just made it like a joke. But like I even in the sequels, like some of the other ones like when when uh, Ghostface comes back in part 2 mm. and he's like, "Okay, see the thing with sequels is you can never do the same thing twice." He's like, "You know, in uh in, in the original time this happened, there were two killers." So it can happen again, but it's going to be a bigger twist. There's always some twist. So you have to be ready for that. And he's like, it's never the guy that you think it is. It's perfect. And it's like, the, it, it, he's right the whole time. And it's he's telling the audience, so you don't want to believe him, but he's always right. It's just fucking awesome. It's great. It's yeah, fantastic. That's, that's the history and origin of some of the... Bigger horror movie character some films. Them, just some of them. We might do this again sometime in the future. Like, yeah, there's eh, definitely more. You know, who knows? But uh, we just thought it was a cool idea for this week. Yeah, <laughs> we got some. Uh, we got some shit coming up here. Yeah, um, we do. We have some fun, exciting things coming up. Uh, we really do. That's all we'll say until they happen. Yeah, we. Uh, we're gonna. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it's yeah, in, so yeah, this yeah. episode. I I'm glad it occurred because I feel like at no, least with what I we mean, do, we I mean we love horror movies. They happen to come up in almost every episode. Yes, and this was just it seemed like the natural progression for where we were going, because I mean horror movies are awesome. Even the shitty horror movies are worth your time because there's always something that jumps out at you and is like that was fucking cool. Dude, speaking of things jumping out at you, I think you said uh, the phrase mom and dad like 45 minutes ago in this podcast. I but we just well watched have. the movie Mom and Dad with Nicolas Cage. And who was who the other version? Who yeah, was, who is the mom? I don't uh, know. Nicolas Cage, though. That's all you need. It mom was and dad. It was a great movie. You guys should totally go it's, watch okay, that movie. It was awesome. Let me explain this to you. Um, it's on Hulu. Yeah, it's on Hulu. So if you have Hulu, you can watch it for free. Just okay. Nicholas Cage, right? And the role he plays is a psychotic man that lives on rage, and that's all you need and to that, know. That is the and you know what? We all love Nicholas Cage, but we only love him the most that we can possibly love a human being when he is full of anger. Just. Furious, just fuming, fuming. He Angry just lets it fish. loose, man. He is awesome. You guys gotta watch. Yeah, Mom and Dad is a fantastic movie. It's it's good. It, it's worth your time. And um, I know we mentioned this in the other movies episode, but Mandy, 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 Mandy. That's Mandy might be one of my favorite movies. I think it is one of my favorite movies. And uh, Mom and Dad didn't quite make that cut, but it is very good. I'll even throw this one out there. We uh, we went to the movies. We saw that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh uh, yeah, dude, I dug it. Tarantino's I dug film. the hell out of it. This is coming. Okay, I'm going to tell you. We this. can't do any spoilers for this. No, though. it's too new. No, I'm going to tell yeah. you this. Um, from a guy, me personally, I'm not Quentin Tarantino's biggest fan. I'm really not. People often I like him. dislike me for that fact. And I've seen all of his movies. Uh, well, I haven't seen The Hateful Eight, but I've seen all of the yeah, other Yeah, I haven't movies. seen that one either. And 
I there's parts to every movie that I enjoy of his. I really do. Um, if you ask me, Inglorious Bastards is my favorite of his. Mm-hmm. And as I've said, coming from a guy that does not typically like Quentin Tarantino, it's a very good movie. No, like, it's, it's, it's awesome. very good. It's worth your time, and it's it's super fun. It's a fun ride. Uh, I would recommend seeing it for sure. And that's go again, see it on Tuesday if you're a member, dude. Five bucks. So we did. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, maybe wait till it's out. I don't know. Pay full price. I would pay full price probably for this movie. I'd say. Yeah, it's, it's very good. And it, it'll keep I you there. It, it's a long ass movie, man. It's like two it hours and forty minutes or something. It's yeah. long. But it, uh, yeah, I I went in not knowing what to expect. Obviously, I wanted to see it just because. He typically doesn't let you down. It's just it might not be what you want, at least for someone like me. Yeah. And I'm glad I saw it. I I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I actually would recommend this Tarantino film to anybody. I yeah. really would. And this has given nothing away. I'm sure. I'm, I'm pretty sure everyone knows this. It's like based around the Manson murders. Yeah, they're and involved. And it is so. It's like it's cool. It's really cool what he does with it. Yeah. No, it is. It's a good time. So I would again. Yeah, I would, I'd recommend that. There are a lot hard. of feet. Lots of feet. Mm-hmm. Lots that's of true. feet. Yeah, so that's a good flick. Uh, yeah, we got. I mean, we're always watching movies here, so we are. We always we're always going to throw recommendations at you because it's just kind of what we do. That's what we like to do here. Take them or, or uh, don't. I'm not be sad. I guess I don't know. Yeah, so if you have, uh, you know, you and you're you're going to go on a date or something, and you guys are like, well, "What are we going to do? Go kill three hours." And go watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in theaters. It's a good time. Fantastic. I'm not even being paid to advertise the movie. That's how much I enjoyed it. That I would just willingly give you this free recommendation because I thought it was good. So yeah, Quentin Tarantino, if you could just tweet out a link to our page, that'd be payment enough. That'd be cool, man. I'd, we I'd loved your movie. That. Everyone should watch it. Yeah. All right, that was uh, Horror Movie Villains. Uh, Thank you guys for listening this whole time. Yeah, thank you very much. Follow us on uh, all the social media stuff, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. uh, We're everywhere. We are everywhere. We have a Patreon. Thank you, um, Matt and Morgan, for being our uh, patrons still. Thank you guys very much. I just saw you today. You guys are lovely people. Lovely folks. It was a good time. So, yeah. um, So, go, uh, go on there. Uh, listen to I Hate God. Yeah, do that too. I recommend them to everybody as well because fucking stick fucking it to the man yeah, and listen to I Hate God. Spike through people's gooches. Yeah, do it. All right. Do it. Do it. Goodbye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.